0: Hey guys, this is Rich Bokini. This is the princess of pro wrestling, SoCal Val. Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model. This is Holiday. This is Steve Young. E-F-F-Y-F-E. And you're listening to the only podcast that calls it Right Down the Middle. The Whole Refin Show.
1: And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it Right Down the Middle. The Whole Refin Show.
0: Welcome back to the Whole Reffin' Show, the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. Welcome back. My name is Darren Beasley.
1: And my name is Perry Smith.
0: And we are stoked to have you join us on the Whole Reffin' Show this week. It's episode 53. It's the first one after 52 52 means 52 weeks, it's been a year and a week, this is the beginning of year two of the whole reference show, it's the one after 52, it's the one after 909, yes, it's the whole reference show, I'm stoked on that, how about you Perry?
1: I'm stoked on that as well, Um, we we are uh, a year old now, officially, Uh, we're a little bit uh, wiser, uh we're a bit older we have wrinkles to show for all the podcasts that we've done uh i've grown a full beard um i, I can't i can't grow a full beard uh darren can <laughs> though darren can grow one for both of us so thank you darren
0: i did i shaved my beard actually uh about two weeks ago and and it came it's now it's back okay so
1: oh uh, i'm sorry poor man <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, dear listeners, on this show this week, we've got some news, some bad news in the Hardy Boys camp. Something uh, a little unfortunate for Mr. Jeff Hardy, and uh, something that's, uh, I don't know, I don't know how sweet it is. Maybe something is rotten, in fact, in the state of the Bullet Club.
1: Might be too sour.
0: Too after- Might Yeah. I don't know, it was too sweet to be sour. But apparently, (laughs) therein lies the problem, is that it's just too sweet. (laughs) So we're going to take a look at all of the problems that are going down between the young bucks of the Bullet Club and Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And after we talk about the news, we're going to jump into the results from WWE's Raw exclusive pay-per-view no Mercy, which was this past Sunday. You are the results of mine and Perry's head-to-head.
1: Head-to-head. Head.
0: And you'll get to hear the blow-by-blow blow from those boys out of Stanford.
1: Let's uh, talk about everything, but I guess we've got to start from the beginning. We've got to start with them.
0: Headlines.
1: The Bullet Club invades Raw this past Monday. The Bullet Club, uh, being Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, uh, Marty Squirrel, and uh, Hangman Page, they actually did show up to Raw, uh, not inside the arena and not uh, <laughs> not on camera, of course, but actually in the parking lot, uh, it as it was much along the lines of the times that DX would come to invade WCW, uh, kind of to show up outside and, and ask people, you know, why they're watching this crap and stuff like that. Um, uh-
0: of course, you know, Vince McMahon and friends love to show that footage.
1: Oh, they because do. Because
0: they won the war, they own everybody's tape libraries, and they think that it's so cute that D-Generation X pulled that trick, but it's not so cute now, is it, Vince? Hey, Vinnie Mac. Hey, <laughs> Junior. How do you feel when Sinclair Broadcasting sends a bunch of little twerps who are wearing black and white T-shirts and throwing up the two sweet in your parking lot ain't so cool now, huh?
1: Yeah, I probably weren't fans of that, and it's not—it's not cool when when you're like the old man and the and the young bucks, if you will, are the uh. ones going, "Oh, what you doing, old people? What, what is this party?" You know. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was interesting, and it was—it was a big deal for all of uh, a few hours when it was going on. Um, because I mean, this story got really blown out of proportion. It was like, Oh man, they're there. They're invading. They're going to jump the rail and they just went to the parking lot basically. And that was kind of it. Um, uh, but still, still pretty cool. Uh, however, uh, Vince McMahon, uh, did retaliate. Um, I, I don't not maybe not so much directly because of this incident. Uh, but he did have his lawyers send a cease and desist, uh, to the young bucks, and I guess that would mean ROH as well, uh, and and that they can't use the the too sweet uh, hand gesture anymore. Uh, the Wolf Pack hand gesture, created uh, or made famous by uh, Wade Boggs, uh, former Major League Baseball player, who uh, taught it to his good friend Scott Hall. Scott Hall, who of course brought it over to uh, the world of wrestling. Um, you know
0: what's weird? You know what's weird? Like that was the prevailing story forever. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's the one that I always knew about, you know, like two other different stories have come out in the last couple of years because of WWE beating everything into the ground with their uh, network specials and their DVD documentaries. Like, yeah, they had a,
1: they had a documentary about having documentaries. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: it's very, it very, very eye opening and heartwarming.
0: So, of course, we, uh, and it has that weird, generic, like, country music. Oh, of course. It was, it was, like, pictures of wrestlers growing up in the 50s. Even if they were born in the 80s, pictures the
1: It was a <laughs> depression, an and uh, I learned my first Texas cloverleaf, and after that, I just, man, you know? And then I made yeah. it, and I wasn't poor anymore. And, like, that's every documentary.
0: Well, you know, it's true. It's true. It's damn true. Kurt Angle grew up in the Dust Bowl during the <laughs> uh, Some Wrath and uh, the, the Dustin Rhodes Rape Bowl. <laughs> well, okay, so here's the problem. There on some documentary, there now I saw where somebody was saying that Sean Waltman had come up with the Wolfpack hand signal.
1: Here we that go. But it was something
0: he learned from Turkish gangsters.
1: Now, are, are we saying that Wade Boggs was at one point in time associated with the Turks uh, and, the, and the gang land there? And uh, no, probably not. That's probably just, it's kind of hey. like, it's kind of like who made up the metal sign, like uh, Dio or Gene Simmons, you know? But well, it's,
0: as far as the Turkish gangsters go, I mean, I think that they might be giants said at best. That's nobody's business but the Turks.
1: No, there you go. There you go.
0: But so, so that story came out, which is weird because I'd always heard the Wade Boggs story and thought the Wade Boggs story was the real deal. Not Evander Holyfield, but the, the true story. Right. True story! <laughs> yes. Oh my God, I can't help myself. Uh, now the third story is that Kevin Nash just recently in an interview was like, no, we got it from North Carolina State University. Because they are the Wolfpack, and they created the hand cy- symbol for the Wolfpack as part of their, you know, their their fan tradition for their school mascot. So you know, I mean, come on, guys, it's not like those three dudes don't talk to each other. Why are they all now telling different stories? <laughs> now, of course, if that's the gimmick, I, I want to be in on it because, haha, oh, you silly guys. But if it's not. What the hell are you doing?
1: Right now, and also, how can you? How can you? Uh, how can you trademark a hand gesture? Because I want to. I want to file a patent for the the bird finger immediately, and just <laughs> sue and sue every angry person that I come across. Um, is that how it works? Because that's how it works, right?
0: Probably. I think I, <laughs> that's probably how it works. I don't. I don't know. I'd, I'd be willing to hazard a guess that uh, Vince McMahon may have already. Trademark that thanks to Steve Austin. Yes, you know, probably. Yeah. To make sure that if Steve Austin had ever gone to another company that he couldn't use it. <laughs> He'd give thumbs up. <laughs> yeah,
1: okay, well, whatever there. The Young Bucks don't seem to be too uh, miffed by the whole situation. They kind of shrugged it off on Twitter. Uh, so we'll see what that means. I mean, they're they're, uh, they're rascals, those Young Bucks. They probably do it anyway, especially in New Japan. You know, we'll... What are you gonna do there, Vince? Um, anyway, that—that's that. That's that. Uh, however, there's some bad news at Camp WWE, or as you said earlier, uh, Camp Hardy. Uh, Jeff Hardy
0: has yeah, sus- not Camp WWE, not the ill-fated uh, cartoon. Oh no,
1: no, no. Um,
0: the only bad news there is that it sucked.
1: Jeez. Uh, Jeff Hardy did sustain a uh, torn rotator cuff. I believe his right shoulder. Um, so he's out of action for a while, which is no good. I mean, I mean, for in one way it is kind of good because they obviously don't know what to do with the Hardys right now. Uh, they made them champions immediately. They they lost those belts, and then they didn't know what to do with the Hardys anymore. Um, they went from being a huge deal at WrestleMania 33 uh, to you know defeating the belt of the pay per views to being pre-show, you know, six-man tag style or not even being on the show at all. Um, so it's pretty safe to say WWE's like uh, we thought they'd be broken by now. We don't know what to do with them so br- right. yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. So no, that's too bad, but yeah, Jeff goes into surgery next week on the 3rd of October and as uh, they they're they're saying probably out of action months. So I mean, I think it would be uh, the perfect opportunity, and who knows what the legalities are at this point. It's, It's almost not worth trying to cover it from a journalistic aspect because it's so constantly changing, and you don't know who to believe. But wow, what a perfect time for Matt to become broken in the absence of Jeff. Brother Nero could come back in for better or worse as the baby or the heel, depending on where broken Matt is six months from now, but no, probably won't see it. Yeah. We'll that's... just see some, we'll just see some half-assed singles matches with Matt Hardy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, or even, even worse. They'll give Matt Hardy tag team partners. I, give him a revolving door of tag team partners. Cause they see him as a, a tag team wrestler. Now, Booker T said like all of his singles days are behind him. Uh, he said that about Matt Hardy. Uh, it was kind of like, whoa, whoa, easy book, easy. Um, but anyway, Booker T's got a lot of harsh commentary, I've noticed. Like, there are people that he really gets. He really gets Jason Jordan, by the way. We'll talk more about that a little bit later on. So by later on, I mean, uh, what better time than now to talk about WWE's
0: No Mercy. Right, Darren? You saw this. Hey, the time is now. The yeah. time, My time is now. You, I can't you, see you. Your time is up. My time is now.
1: Okay, yeah, it's been your time for over ten years, though, John. What does that mean anymore?
0: Well, as Hunter Hearst Helmsley in China once said, "It's my time. It's my time. <laughs> it's my time."
1: <laughs> they did. Those were that was verbatim. Um, so yeah, let's let's uh, talk about uh, No Mercy because uh, you and I went head-to-head. head to head. Head to head. WWE No Mercy took place this last Sunday at the Staples Center here in lovely Los Angeles. Uh, I mentioned potentially going, and guess what? I did not go.
0: Um, oh, man. <laughs> Why didn't you go?
1: Well, the hassle of the Staples Center. I thought uh, my...
0: Uh, just watch, call an Uber.
1: Watch it on the network. Just call- watch it on the network and my comfy couch, and the comfy couch and the network, they, they want out. See, the network makes you feel like you're there, Darren. It already makes you feel like you're there.
0: Does it? It does. The network makes me feel like I'm watching it on the network.
1: <laughs> well,
0: Which is pretty good. It's a close second.
1: It is. It is a, it is a close second. Um, I like to
0: be there when I can.
1: But uh, did you did you like the show overall, or what? What did I you think? I
0: loved this show overall. Oh. What do you
1: think? I thought the show was wearing overalls. I, I thought uh... <laughs> no, it was it was a it was a good show. There was some really good matches in here. Um, some matches I enjoyed more than I thought I would. Uh, if that makes any sense, I guess it will make more sense when we actually get into this thing. Uh, yeah. but b- before the show can begin, though, we got to mention the show before the show, the pre-show. Uh, Elias took on Apollo Cruz in a match that was uh, maybe announced kind of a last-minute match added on. Um, <laughs> so, it was actually not part of our head-to-head. Head-to-head! But, had it been, I think we both would have chosen uh, Elias to win. What do you think, Darren? Yeah?
0: Oh, we would have definitely picked Elias because uh, the Titus brand is like a scarlet letter at this point. It is just... Here we go. Here come the losers. We're here for the losers bracket.
1: Oh, I like the Titus brand. I thought it did. Uh, it worked wonders for Akira Tozawa. Too bad he was I, champion for a day.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't say I didn't like it. I mean, I've been a fan of Titus O'Neil just period for quite some time. But this Titus brand, and I, and I like the idea behind the Titus brand as well. But it's just not they're they're really not doing anything with
1: it. I understand that. I understand they're that.
0: not doing what they could do. They could be doing so much with that, but they're not.
1: Uh, of course, of course. Um, okay, so there's the pre-show. We didn't really uh, vote on it or have our say about it, so we don't count it. But Elias does go over on Apollo Cruz, which takes us into No Mercy's first official match. It is for the Intercontinental Title. It is The Miz defending his belt against Jason Jordan. Angle.
0: That's right, Jason Jordan. Angle. Taking on The Miz for the Intercontinental title. And uh, this is a cool match. This is a good matchup. Physically. I think we said that it should be, and they let it be. Yeah, I mean, we, we
1: talked about this in the uh, the last episode where we talked about No Mercy. Even then, I said this is going to be a good match because they're good wrestlers. I mean, Jason Jordan has the misfortune of being involved in this not so great, you know, angle. Um, but you you forget that oh, he is a good wrestler, and he, <laughs> I mean, you you remember the the good old American Alpha days, and it's like this guy is legit. Like he's, I mean, those guys were kind of Steiner Brothers esque, not just because they were wearing singlets, but because they could actually they could actually go. Uh, No,
0: absolutely. They absolutely could. But another thing that nobody gives Miz credit for is that Miz can go.
1: He can go. Yes, he can.
0: I mean, he's not the greatest wrestler in the world, but he's solid. He's reliable. uh, He's safe. He works well with others. And he always elevates his opponents.
1: Yeah, no, he has a way of making uh, his opponent look good by by himself looking cowardly. Um, so it always uh, works pretty well. Um, it, it is a very good match, but ultimately it ends like any match would end on Raw, where the Miztourage gets involved. And uh, yeah, Curtis Axel hits Jason Jordan. Miz gets that Skullcrusher finale on Jordan with the pin, and that's it. And Jason Jordan gives a really bad promo after the match. And uh <laughs> It's so, like, yeah, he needs to work on his uh, his promo skills. And this is where Booker T comes in. Booker T does not like Jason Jordan, I've noticed. Watching Raw. Oh yeah. yeah. What's the deal? I don't know. There's something about Jason Jordan. Booker T says, after when <laughs> Jason Jordan gives his promo, he just lost the match. He's walking to the back. Booker T literally says, Get to the back of the line, kid. Like <laughs> Wow. God damn, Booker T. He ain't got no heart, man. He just found out his pops, man. His pops run the raw. You can, you feel me? You feel me? Um, <laughs> yes, I feel you, Booker T. I feel you. I feel you. Leave me alone. Um. So yeah, no. Booker T is running the whole the whole angle that uh, you know Jason Jordan's only getting these chances because his dad is Kurt Angle. Um, and, and that's fine, but I mean, it seems like Booker T like really has it in for Jason Jordan I don't know why But uh, anyway, I'm I, still, so, by the way, yeah, very glad true. Booker T that's is involved And not uh, David Otunga, by the way We forget David Otunga was supposed to be back doing commentary on Raw like months ago But they were like, nah, hey, just, nah
0: What a trade up, Yeah And uh, I tell you though when I when I catch the uh, pre show and I see Otunga there on the panel with Lawler and Renee and the Sam Roberts or Lita or whoever, every time I see Otunga, I go, "Oh God, oh God, <laughs> this is the night he's going to be back on the main team." You know? <laughs> and, and then, hey, Booker T comes out hey. and all is right with the world.
1: Yes, indeed. And uh, we both picked Miz to go over on that match to retain his IC belt. And we are both right. So, way to go, us. Which takes us into our next match.
0: The second match of the evening is the Demon King, Finn Balor, taking on the Eater of Worlds, Bray Wyatt. I picked Finn to win this match, and you picked Bray to win this match. Yeah. And... We both definitely talked about how not good this match would be. <laughs> how much we didn't care. And I still don't know that I care, but we were totally wrong about not caring about the match. We should have cared because this was a good match.
1: Well, no, no debating it would be a good match. It's just they are feuding because they don't know what else to do with them. And Like we said before, like this situation where this feud should be for a title because these guys are both main event quality.
0: Well, that's true. And I think maybe that's why the match was extra good is you've got these two top talents, these two world-class talents, and both guys who have held the top belts in the company already, it's going to stand on their performance alone because they're not getting the television time. They're not getting the spotlight. They're not getting the money. They're not getting the money matches or the belts, so why not go out there and try and steal the show? They've got the characters to do it, they've got the uh, uh, the in ring ability to do it, and uh, I think that you know I don't I don't know this was the best match on the show, but it was so much better than I expected that I would almost call it a show stealer.
1: Oh. Um, I mean, it's it's you put these two together, it's going to be a great match. They're both great wrestlers, both great performers. They have a, a good amount of character. So, I mean, it's 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 a win win. It's a safe bet. You say like, you know, we'll put you two on the card, and you guys will fight each other, and that's going to be a good match. We don't have to worry about that. That's going to be a good match. So let's move on to something else. And but it does seem kind of like it's a safe match now at this point, right? Like it's just like okay, well they'll always be good. So put them together, kind of a thing.
0: Well, for sure. I mean, they did that with Bray once before with Dean Ambrose. I thought we would never, ever see the end of Dean Ambrose versus Bray Wyatt. (laughs) And uh, I'm glad we did because that wasn't always necessarily a great match. And I did get sick of it. Um, And yet somehow, somehow, and I guess it's just because I'm just such a mark for both of the guys, uh, even though... How many times have we seen in the WWE on the main roster alone Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn go at it, and yet when they took each other on on SmackDown this week, I was like, "Fight forever."
1: Well, that's that's Fight kind of a th- that's kind of a, a a Raven Tommy Dreamer just mortal enemies forever. You know, no matter how much time passes, like and and those those are very rare. Like you can't. You can't just manufacture those. Like those have oh, to start man. from long ago and, and continue over. And it's like, man, they hated each other before they were even in NXT, before they were even in WWE. Like that's that's great. Like you can't you can't make history like that. Right. Unless you're making, you know, Angle, you know, be the father of a wrestler who's currently but that's different though. That's a different kind of history, but uh yeah, as far as feuds go, you can't just be like, "Oh, they hated each other twenty years ago when they were uh, went went to college together," and uh, you know, so that, that that's a bit different.
0: It is, uh, but back to this match, which is also a good match. I could I could see myself saying "fight forever" with Balor and Wyatt. I just wish it were in some main events, maybe. Right. But anyway, Finn wins the match. Finn does win the match, and I get the. Head-to-head. to head Victory tally mark here. Boo. Next up, we have the Raw Tag Team titles on the line. Dean Ambrose, who we just mentioned, and the architect, Seth Rollins, two-thirds of the shield. And they are your Raw Tag Team champions defending against your friends, Seamus and Cesaro. Why
1: are they my friends?
0: Because <laughs> you, you love to say their names.
1: I do. I love to see Seamus and Cesaro. Um, it is a lot of fun. This match, by the way, is is top quality. This is a
0: fantastic
1: is. match. One for the record books. One that should be talked about forever because of its match quality. However, it was uh, overshadowed by a certain event that took place during the match. And that would be when Dean Ambrose did a, a harmless, even though it's supposed to be harmful because it's a wrestling move done to a wrestler, a harmless slingshot uh, to Cesaro. Cesaro hits, you know, supposed to hit the, uh, the, the, the turnbuckle post with his face, you know, and be like, oh, that hurt my face real bad. Cesaro, however, maybe... <laughs> I, I don't know what happened. I, I don't know how he managed to do this, but Cesaro oof, takes it.
0: Should I guess?
1: Sure, go ahead.
0: All right. He hits his face real hard and it hurts real bad?
1: There you go, there you go. But for a guy who's probably had this done to him hundreds, if not thousands of times, he takes it and then he turns around holding his mouth. And then he he drops to I think his knee, and then he looks up at the the monitor and he smiles, and his two front teeth are now halfway shoved up into his gums. Um, oh, my yeah. god. oh my god! Oh so my god!
0: So
1: that's all anyone talked about for the rest of this match. That's all social media is talking about, um, which is unfortunate. I mean, it's unfortunate for a lot of reasons. But what's funny is I um. I sort of watched the pay-per-view late. I came in during this match. So I turn on the network, and uh, like I got my my bite to eat or whatever, and I'm ready. Like, oh, watch. No mercy. Here we go. And <laughs> that part had already happened. So I just see this blood everywhere in the ring, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Who, someone got uh, worked earlier. And then I noticed that Cesaro is bleeding from the mouth, but, like, really bleeding from the mouth. And right. then Cesaro, like... <laughs> He like he like says something to Shamus, and I'm like, what the fuck happened to Cesaro's mouth? And of course, you get a thousand replays of what happened. Um, but no, it it really it really is a great match. It's unfortunate that I mean, it's unfortunate for Cesaro's you know dental well being um, <laughs> that this happened to him. But it's unfortunate because it's like when uh, AJ Styles fought Dean Ambrose, another Dean Ambrose uh, example. Um, but uh, AJ Styles ripped his pants. And the ass that's so right. even though the match is like great and there's some really great spots in this match all that you remember is that AJ Styles ripped the ass of his pants and that's all you <laughs> care about um so unfortunately it suffers from that
0: it does it does but how about that power bomb from Cesaro oh
1: yeah oh
0: yeah oh my god yeah so when Cesaro has Ambrose takes him and power bombs him off the ropes onto Seth Rollins, who's laying prone. I was like, this guy, he really is a Swiss Superman. hes
1: He takes the licking and keeps on ticking. Jesus. Oh, yeah, he must be going on pure adrenaline at this point. Because also, you know, remember, his he must be in horrible pain <laughs> from his teeth <laughs> being rammed up his skull. Um well, but he still goes on to put on this uh, very high-caliber match. I mean, hats off to Cesaro. Give him the universal title for that because, man, that is uh, that is quite insane. And a lot of uh, near near falls here and all that good stuff that makes a really good, like, suspenseful match. Uh, eventually, though, Ambrose is able to hit the Dirty Deeds on Sheamus, and uh, he gets the pin on Sheamus, and the Sword of S.H.I.E.L.D., Wins so Ambrose and Rollins retained those uh, Raw tag team titles, and uh, we both said they would, didn't we? Oh, oh, no, no we didn't. That's a fast.
0: No, unfortunately, I picked Sheamus and Cesaro. I thought it was their time again, and that we needed to get away from having those two thirds of the Shield carrying around belts when they don't belong. On singles wrestlers
1: (laughs) What do you think Cesaro and Sheamus are? But anyway, um, so that's that match I know, I know, I know Calm down, calm down And that takes us into the Raw Women's Title Fatal 5-Way Match Bayley taking on Sasha Banks Taking on Nia Jax Taking on Alexa Bliss, who is the champion at this time and they also, the fifth member of this uh, this little fatal five-way dance, uh, is Emma. And I gotta say, I hate that they changed Emma's music. I, I hate it so
0: much. Why did they change that music? That music was great.
1: I know,
0: I know. I, it and angers the me. the beginning, the little weird beginning, like that, you know, that was her original, original music. So... It's like they've abandoned the entire history of Emma by getting rid of that music. I, I'm very much against that. that. Not only was the old music great, the new music is terrible.
1: Yeah, that's probably the worst part. Is like It's not like an upgrade, it's a downgrade. Like, right. Let's take away this music, which is very unique, um, and make it sound like you're just any other wrestler <laughs> with shitty music. Um
0: Depressing. Sounds depressing. like WWE. There you go. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Like it's it's on par with like Dolph Ziggler or The Miz's music, where it's just whatever. Those are my two least
0: favorite.
1: Yeah, which is like new rock, you know, horrible music. So there you go. Um, that aside, Emma has a very strong showing in this match. It actually is a very well booked match, uh, except for the last like maybe few minutes. Uh, I do think the rest of the match is is very very well done. Nia Jax uh does something very impressive when she uh samoan drops uh does a samoan drop to uh both alexa bliss and sasha banks on her back i believe she even does a squat with them on her back and then drops them before she uh, uh that that's and that's that's crazy
0: and that is impressive that is totally impressive and that is a testament to her strength her balance and uh wow good for her but you know what most impressive moment of Nia Jax's career, to me, happens in this match, and it's when she gets powerbombed off the apron to the floor on the outside, and she takes it like a champ.
1: Yeah, man. I think that's the biggest bump she's ever taken, short of running through (laughs) guardrails.
0: It Um, has to be.
1: Yeah, that that looked pretty painful.
0: It absolutely did, man. Follow she really she lands on the very uppermost part of her back and her neck and the back of her head like there's no way to 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 like to brace for that fall you're just getting slammed onto your vertebrae
1: yeah and her body accordions too like it folds over on itself too so i mean it was it was totally painful
0: oh man absolutely absolutely and that and just the way it looks like because, you know, there's that one moment where you cringe and hope that she's okay in real life. And then when you see that she probably is, then all of a sudden that little bloodthirsty wrestling fan inside of you is like, yeah, that will awesome.
1: <laughs> six more times. Six more right. times. It's um, like,
0: oh, oh dear, is she okay? Oh, she's okay. Oh, ah, so cool.
1: <laughs> it's like when Undertaker drops McFoley off the, the, the cage at uh, Hell in a Cell. And uh, everyone chants for Undertaker, not for, you know, McFoley Foley, who just <laughs> fell a thousand feet. Um. <laughs> hey. Oops. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, but like I said, Nia Jax um, <laughs> takes, a, takes a pretty big bump here, but she also does run into the uh, the turnbuckle post, which, man, am I getting really tired of big people running into the turnbuckle post. you think by now they would know to approach with caution the turnbuckles, you know, um, I'm really tired of that. Really tired of that. I believe Braun Strowman does the same thing later on, uh, in the night. Um, but yeah, I'm really over that spot.
0: Let me just say, I cannot be more impressed with Alexa bliss than I am. I mean, it would be impossible for me to be more impressed or give her more credit. like, this girl earns her paycheck. This girl is earning her spot in the WWE pantheon. And when this is all said and done, she's going to be an extremely memorable part of women's wrestling. And I'm telling you, when I saw her three, four years ago in NXT and Jacksonville at a house show, and she was still ultra baby face super green to the business and she, all her gear was blue. The tips of her hair was dyed blue and she came out and she was a glitter princess. Like I was like, yeah, that girl isn't going very far. (laughs) And I, I mean, I could not have been more wrong. Like, wow, she is impressive. She's an excellent champion. And to me, that's why she walks in with the belt. And she walks out with the. Box. Uh,
1: why would you say that? Ugh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alexa Bliss gets the the DDT on Bailey, and then the victory. That that was kind of a weak finish to the match. Um, obviously, neither one of us picked Alexa to win the match, um, not because we didn't think that she you know shouldn't be champion and all that stuff, but we thought a fatal five way is a good chance to kind of really makes someone surprisingly you know jump in there and win the match uh you actually picked nia jacks to win i i picked emma i picked the the straight up wild card and uh we were both wrong Darren. we were both wrong
0: yeah you did emma was more even more of a wild card but that is that is not to say that uh, nia jacks was not a dark horse in her own right like neither of those well, we, we should definitely not have made either of those women our pick. But but we did. We really thought that the five-way, like you, just to repeat what you said, that the five-way was the opportunity to get the belt on someone different without any one person losing too much heat. And uh, instead, they just kept that white-hot heel heat on Alexa by having her retain.
1: See, I thought it was a perfect situation. I was watching a women's match and I was thinking, this is insanely smart if you book it to where Sasha can't win because Bailey keeps holding her back. You know, Alexa can't win. Nia can't win because they're holding each other back. So Emma kind of sneaks in there because she doesn't have someone else going, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Uh, I thought that was like, oh, that'd be great if you booked it that way. And that way you can kind of splinter them off into their own little feuds where Sasha versus Bailey, Alexa versus Nia, which is already kind of happening anyway. Um, So, I don't know, I thought it was kind of perfect. But, of course, it doesn't end that way.
0: Right, and I thought that it would be perfect for Nia here because, as I said when we went head-to-head... Head-to-head! It appeared like this would be the way for Nia to get it without her just coming in and squashing somebody. And there were a couple moments where uh, she would jump in the ring and kind of clear the ring, and I was like, here we go, here we go. You know, but no, definitely not to be, not on this night.
1: She's like Kane. She's like a big imposing force that clears a ring but still ultimately loses anyway.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and what's the explanation going to be for that in the long run? I mean, they it needs a story. Like, you know, you need to acknowledge that she's green and play that up and that, and have that be the reason that she's not the champion because, by all means, she should be.
1: Yeah, you need to play the fact that she's still kind of new and not so much that she's just kind of big and stupid because that's the way <laughs> it looks. If you can't win a match, that's the way it's going to look. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was like, uh, yeah. So like David Spade talking about Chris Farley and Tommy Boy. It's like, it's a big, dumb animal.
1: <laughs> Isn't he, folks? <laughs> yeah, exactly like that. Um, so from there we move on to John Cena taking on Roman Reigns. No titles here, folks. It's just big name versus big name. You can't see him, apparently. Um, you can't.
0: You cannot see John Cena.
1: No, and going into the match, uh, Michael Cole uh, actually uh, dishes out a, a random fact, which is if John Cena beats Roman Reigns, he ties the Undertaker for most pay per view victories in the history of WWE. Which I think, um, I think ninety three is uh, is where uh, I think it's ninety three ninety four. Forget the number exactly. Either way. I mean, Cena's got that, like, no problem, right? Right. Yeah. But it's interesting because, like I said before, the cool thing about this match is that when you put Cena and Reigns together, who the fans are not on either one of their sides, it forces them to choose a side. And they chose a side. They were behind Cena on this night. Cena comes out first, and um, he gets a decent amount of fanfare. Even he is surprised, when he points out a sign that says, If Cena loses, we riot. Uh, he looks at the camera Man. and said, First time I've ever seen that. That's the first time I've ever seen that.
0: <laughs> wow, the 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 winds of change. Yeah. The winds of change. Yeah. They're blowing they're blowing north out of Pensacola <laughs> of The home of Roman Reigns. Bay <laughs> and In inland waters a light to moderate chop.
1: Well, Reigns comes out to his usual chorus of boos, and it is rough. What's funny about uh, Reigns, too, is whenever they want to say nice things about Reigns, like, oh, he's doing great, he's so wonderful, everyone loves him. You can't do a still of him around an audience, because there's always someone flipping him off or booing him. (laughs) Someone's got the thumbs down. There's actually a, a... They put together a package uh, I think on Raw the next day And it's like, he respects Reigns Who's a dominant star there's a guy right behind Reigns Booing him, uh, which is hilarious Anyways
0: It's a lot like (laughs) uh, I used to not notice it so much I guess because we were maybe a little further away But man, at the last Fest Wrestling show Woo, the one year anniversary bash if you look at any pictures of Leon Scott and the members of Awaken, you can see all of me, or at least my hand sticking up <laughs> <laughs> a middle finger in the face of either Vandal uh, Wolf Taylor or Leon Scott. Aww. So, wow, wow, yeah, the you know the uh, the middle fingers are ubiquitous. Uh, there in Gainesville, anytime awaken us out, but I didn't really, I didn't realize I would get caught on camera that much.
1: Well, no offense, but if I if my patent goes through and I do own the middle finger, I will I will sue you to the full extent and take whatever you have. Um, and nothing personal, nothing personal, Austin. It's just business. Um,
0: <laughs> hey, that's all right. I'll just say that you can't copyright it. That I got it from Turkish gangster.
1: <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, so yeah, the, the beginning of this match isn't great. Like this, the first half of this match is odd, and it, it seems like Cena isn't taking this match seriously. Like, like at first, it's the way it seems. It's almost like when Michaels uh, Shawn Michaels fought uh, Hulk Hogan yeah, uh, all those years yeah. ago, where it's like is he just overselling Reigns' punches and, like, every punch knocks him down and he's, like, like you know, gra- grasping at Roman to climb up to his feet? And, and it's just like, what the fuck is happening right now?
0: Yeah, I don't know that I can put my finger on it. You know, what was that? What was that?
1: I don't know, but they, they drew a boring chant from the audience for the first ten minutes. Um, second half, though, it certainly picked up it became a really good match after that point.
0: It did. And that that to me that shows that Roman Reigns is not terrible. And it certainly shows that John Cena can go. John Cena knows how to go. John Cena knows how to have a good match.
1: He really does. He um did some pretty impressive things in this match. Uh, he hit uh he hit Roman Reigns with the AA, the uh, attitude adjustment from the uh the second rope. Doesn't quite get the pin from Reigns after that first one. So I think people do the one more time chant. And he says, no, 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 I got something better for you. He goes out and he clears the announcer's tables uh, that are ringside. And gets Reigns to that announcer table, gets him up top and goes for another AA. But Reigns reverses it into a spear into the announcer table that's next to the announcer table they're standing on. It's got to be hard for him to do a spear... ...into a table because it's not like a, a Stone Cold Stunner or a Rock Bottom... ...where ultimately your opponents fall straight down. Poor Roman Reigns has to like, do like a diagonal spear, um, which is very interesting. and It looked very painful yeah. when he landed. So that was interesting. Eventually, Reigns gets Cena back into the ring and does not get the win here... ...which uh, surprises the hell out of Reigns. Eventually, Cena does this really, really cool thing... Where Cena hits the uh, the attitude adjustment on Reigns, but is still holding on to his arm and rolls over forward on uh, Reigns, picking Reigns back up again into a fireman's carry and then into another AA, which I thought was just fucking impressive as hell because Reigns is not a little guy. Um, Well, that
0: shows that, I mean, that dude, John Cena, he's got gorilla arms for a reason.
1: Yes, he's got gorilla monsoon arms.
0: Because he is at least, at least 1-8 gorilla.
1: Yeah, so basically a a rolling uh, AA, you know, it's done twice, which it just looked cool as shit. Uh, So respect to Cena for pulling that off. And you could tell he was straining to get it done, but yeah, he does get it done. However, it's not enough still not enough to get that three count from Reigns and Reigns eventually just pulls out the Superman punch and hits Cena with the spear and gets the one two three on Cena and I said that Reigns would win because doesn't he have to win and you said well, Cena would win because you're I stupid. really
0: could not see John Cena taking the fall here I tried because logic dictates that Cena would win why <laughs> Cause he's because he's John Cena, he's just yeah. It's just he's not ready to lose to Roman Reigns yet.
1: But you, afraid? I don't
0: know, I don't know. No, no title, not a main event, not a major pay per view. It just didn't seem the right time. I understand that. There, there, there's... I'm not. I mean, I picked Cena to win, but I'm not even saying Cena had to win. But there should have been some schmas of some sort. For, for Reigns to just win, you know, I felt the way that John Cena's face looked when he sat there in the ring afterward just <laughs> shook his head, you know? Right. I was with him.
1: No, I I, was with him. I, I, I didn't have anything emotionally invested in this at all because I'm, I'm not a fan of Reigns. I'm not really a fan of Cena. Um, I, I appreciate Cena a lot more, especially now, I think. Um, but so I, mean, I didn't really care, even though it was kind of like, well, if anyone wins, I, I want Cena to win. Which is funny because I actually picked Reigns to win. So I, I would have won either way. Um, and, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I mean, it just makes sense. Like we, we talked about it before in the last episode where Reigns is Cena. You know, he, he is the same thing. Protected by the office. Um, he's, he's unbeatable. Um, he's the guy. Um, even though he says he's not the guy. He, Absolutely. he is the guy. Which it's funny because Cena comes at Reigns with the whole like, yeah, the office protects you, and like you you don't you don't deserve this, and it's like he it's you he he is you Cena. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of funny he got to say that about someone else, but anyway, but yeah, I mean that's it. Reigns uh, goes over on Cena. Cena has decided it's kind of a torch passing uh, more or less, and uh, it's not the end of Cena's career, but you'll be seeing Cena in a more diminished role in WWE. Probably just wrestle every now and again. Uh, if they need some ratings, we'll throw Cena up there, I guess, is what they, they feel like they'll do with them. But Cena's basically stepping out of that main event spotlight, more or less. Well,
0: you know, and that has been coming for a while, but uh, I just, uh, I still didn't know what to read on his face. You know, uh, I got a bunch of text messages from people saying, Did we just see John Cena retire without saying I retire? And I was like, No, no. Because I'm with you. There, have to, there would have to be more fanfare to it yeah, or, or, or more build-up. But, you know, when I started getting asked that over and over, I kind of had to stop and ask myself, did I just see John Cena's career end?
1: He's too young. He's got to break Flair's record. You don't tie Flair's record and say, well, I'm done. You break it eventually. So he, what he just turned, what, 40?
0: Plenty young enough to wreak havoc in the WWE for a long time. No, I if know. he so chose. No,
1: no, I totally agree with that. So, anyway, we'll see Cena again. We'll certainly see Roman Reigns again. Um, surprisingly, the follow-up to this match, the uh, the pin ultimate match, as some would say. Um, I would say that. I would say it. He, he Darren would say that cruiserweight title match wedged between the universal title match and the. Quote WrestleMania uh, match <laughs> type match and I
0: like it. I and that that's where it belongs. Wow, the cruiserweight title is the world title. There's nothing wrong with defending it high on the card. It's a world championship.
1: It is the championship for a show. It, there is an entire show based on the title, so I totally get that. Um, so yeah, it's it's a uh, Neville, the king of the cruiserweights, uh, taking on Enzo <laughs> Amore. And uh, this is a horrible match.
0: <laughs> it's not good.
1: It's a horrible match. So that this this match is interesting because, uh, again, it's not good. It's Enzo being squashed by Neville, like, the entire match. But, like, they're the same size, but you would think Enzo is fighting someone who's a foot taller than he is. Like, it seems like they only know how to book squash matches with Enzo. Um, I mean, like he, Enzo tries to put moves on Neville. Neville just kind of powers out of him because he's stronger than Enzo. Um, it's like, man, Enzo can't catch a break at all. Um, so I don't quite understand the booking of this match. Uh, but eventually, uh, Enzo, who's, like I said, just had his ass kicked the entire match, runs outside the ring and grabs a cruiserweight championship and brings it into the, the ring, which is a, you know, foreign objects. So the referee is like, put down the belt so he gives the belt to the referee. Referee turns around and Enzo just kicks Neville in the and the dick, basically. And yeah,
0: he did. um <laughs> Because he reared back.
1: Yeah. So it was a big old kick in the in the family jewels and uh Neville and goes down.
0: The gonads, if you will. The gonads.
1: Yes. Um and uh Enzo gets the one, two, three, the quick uh scoop up in the pin, and uh yeah, so he wins the Cruiserweight Championship from Neville in this fashion. And the fans wow. hated this match. They, 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 The boring chant comes out, um, and I don't blame them for, for putting it out there. Um, and uh, it ends very interestingly. And this, this whole thing is really interesting to me. Just the placement on the card, the booking of the match, the follow-up on Raw. Man, they're going for some straight-up character assassination on Enzo Amore. How do you feel about that?
0: I, I really think that they are, and I, I just don't, I need, I need to know the whole story from the backstage perspective before I can pass judgment on Enzo. The more I see befall him, the more I understand how legitimate all the complaints against him must be, but again, I don't hate what they're doing, but I, I don't know. I mean, the championship is the right idea. I didn't call it, but I support it. Right. And, um... But he needs to defend it, unless he's going to be full-on heel. Right.
1: We both got this one wrong, because we said there's no way. I mean, like you basically just said, there's so much heat on Enzo, we doubt you would let him win the title from Neville, someone they've been really holding on to as champion of 205 Live. Uh, But nope. Not only does Neville lose the belt... But on Raw the following night, there's actually a celebration for Enzo becoming champion. Um, And he's afraid the cruiserweights might attack him because they're all so jealous of him. So Kurt Angle does a clause where if anyone attacks Enzo, they basically can't fight for the belt ever again. But Neville comes out and basically has a war of the words with Enzo. And uh, Enzo's like, if you hit me, you get no chances. That's it. But Neville takes it anyway. He kicks Enzo, and he beats up Enzo. <laughs> he throws him around, and uh, that's basically how Raw ends. So I guess Neville is out of the Cruiserweight picture, which means, does that mean Neville comes back to uh, come back to Raw and no longer does Cruiserweight's, uh, Cruiserweight matches to a 5 Live? We'll see what happens there. But after the show ends, after Raw goes off the air... You find out that Braun Strowman comes out, and he doesn't give a shit about the Cruiserweight title, so he beats up on uh, Enzo Amore. And then all the Cruiserweights take their turns beating up on Enzo. So it's kind of like, what the hell? They're just destroying Enzo like every way possible. It's so weird to me.
0: I think that's great. I think it's cool to see all the Cruiserweights together. I like that. You get to see the variety that is actually there. The variety isn't awesome, or explicit enough in these constant singles matchups. But when you see them all out there, you see, wow, there is a great deal of, of, of personality and a style represented here in this division. I think it, it goes well. I think it all, it all speaks to the fact that Enzo should have, if they're going to keep him and Cass apart, he should have been on 205 Live from the beginning because he is a cruiserweight. And I know he was booked as a heavyweight because he was part of a tag team. And that's fine, too. But now that he's there, now that Enzo is there, you see the rest of them really blossoming. Because, I don't know, it's sort of that monkey see, monkey do type thing.
1: Yeah. No, I I get you there. I get you there. So, 205 Live, we'll see what's going on there. Um, Some changes going on over there. But uh, business as usual... On Raw, because the main event here is for the Universal title, which belongs to one Brock Lesnar. He takes on Braun Strowman. And you and I both said Lesnar would retain. And were we right?
0: Were we right? Absolutely we were right. Um, I know I didn't want to be right. This is one that I didn't want to be right about. But I was right, and you were right. Brock Lesnar wins the match.
1: Yeah, a lot of people were surprised by that. A lot of people were like, Strowman's got to win. He's got to win. This kills Strowman if he doesn't win. I don't think it does. I think it puts Strowman in an interesting place. Um, But I think he's still Braun Strowman. He he showed up on Raw. He was still Braun Strowman. He had a good match with Dean Ambrose. Still Braun Strowman.
0: I completely agree. I don't think that losses, especially to somebody like Brock Lesnar... Are uh, going to damage the character too much now repeatedly? Sure, absolutely. But you know, right here at this moment, not necessarily. Yeah, there's a. It's
1: interesting. You can kind of see the. Uh, <laughs> I would say the the greenness of Strowman in this match when Lesnar puts the Kimura submission on um, on Strowman, and Strowman doesn't realize he's about a foot away from the ropes. So right. you you see Lesnar. Tell Strowman to grab the rope to break the submission, and you see Strowman go, "What?" Because <laughs> he doesn't. Hear him. But you see Lester basically tell Strowman to break the hole by grabbing the rope because it's like wrestling psychology. Why would you not grab the rope? It's right there. Like you know, what are you doing? Um, so it's, so you, some of the some of the newness, some of the 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 greenness from Strowman there. Um, but it, it's a good match. It's a good physical match. These two houses are throwing each other around. Brock does uh, five German suplexes uh, in succession um, to uh, Strowman. You can tell that wins him, man. (laughs) He is gassed after that fifth one. Strowman actually hits two power slams on uh, Brock. Doesn't get the job done. But eventually, Brock Lesnar does put the F5 on Strowman and gets the win. And he retains that universal belt. So... I don't know what this means for Lesnar. I don't know who's going to be next in the totem pole. This might actually mean Finn Balor, Brock Lesnar is going to happen eventually. So we'll see about that.
0: Yeah, and I think that that actually might be the direction that they're going, and uh, I'm okay with it. But I don't want to see—I don't want to see Lesnar with his belt forever. That's what it comes down to.
1: Right. No, I agree with that. But at this point, it's like, who's going to be the one? Who's gonna take care of this Lesnar? It ain't Strowman, at least not right now. I think we said that those same exact words in the last episode.
0: Yeah, it ain't Strowman. And uh, as much as we'd like it to be, and I most definitely would, I'm a big fan. No, I gotcha, I gotcha. And that was WWE No Mercy. Man,
1: you either loved that pay-per-view or hated it. Because I enjoyed it for the most part. And some people were like, worst shit ever. Worst shit I've ever seen.
0: See, I yeah. See, I don't understand that because was it the best ever? No, but it was pretty damn good. Like those, the this card was good, and the execution was good. Good, like these were good matches. Not every one. There were some to varying degrees, but for the most part, extraordinarily good.
1: Hey, I'm with you on that. All right, so good on you to the wrestlers for putting on a good show. Cruiserweight championship match, not so much. Um, <laughs> And that's that That is our uh, head to head
0: Head to head
1: For WWE's No Mercy In which case Do some tallying here Looks like uh, uh, I win Yeah yeah Woo-hoo-hoo. yeah By one By one A one means I won Woo! Yes you did
0: Moving on moving on Okay moving on
1: uh, that takes us to the uh, the end of the show, Darren.
0: Is there anything you want to... The end of the show? Right here at the end of the show? We're at the end of the show? Right at the end of the show. Anything you want to talk about before we, uh, before we wrap this baby up? And is there... Dear listeners, we have a huge announcement. And we want you to hear this announcement. And we want you... To remember this announcement, mark it on your calendars. Hopefully, you already have a save the date for Fest, and that is the Fest 16, October 27th, 28th, and 29th in Gainesville, Florida, in Hogtown, there in north central Florida. After two days of pre-Fest down in Ybor City, that's right, three days world's largest punk rock music festival and wrestling and stand-up comedy sketch comedy and live podcasting did i say live podcasting i think you did i did you know who's doing a live podcast at the fest 16 in october we are yay Dear listeners, the whole refin show will be taking the stage at the Hippodrome in Gainesville, Florida, on Saturday, the 28th of October, 2017. And you will see the whole Reffin show, and we're gonna have some amazing guests. We're gonna do a Fest Wrestling panel. We're gonna look back at the first year of Fest Wrestling. We're going to look at Fest through the eyes of the whole ref and show. Hey, it's the only eyes we have. That's how we have to look. The eyes right. have it. Hey, beware the eyes of the whole ref and show.
1: I was thinking of a joke similar and I was like, that's not good. I'm not going to say it. But I'm glad you went. That's good. I'm going to say it.
0: <laughs> well, dear listeners, this is the day before we are family. We are family. The next Fest wrestling show is on the Sunday. The last day of the Fest 16 at 8 Second Saloon, you can see a huge indie wrestling supercard on that day. But the day before, yours truly, Darren Beasley, and my broadcast partner here, Perry Smith, me, the whole and Show will be on the stage live in front of you and our special guests. Will be announced later. Special guests that are going to blow your mind. We're going to talk to them about their involvement with Fest, we'll talk about Fest the year in review, Fest from the perspective of the whole Ref and show. I can't say enough, but we will say more each week. We are only four short weeks away, so stay tuned, dear listeners, for all the developments of our live episode of the whole Ref show coming to you from the Hippodrome in Gainesville
1: it is definitely something I'm looking forward to I can't wait to do it can't wait uh, to get to to meet some fans of the whole ref and show can't wait to ask some great independent wrestlers fest wrestlers about wrestling and wrestle talk Um, and yeah so stay tuned to the show to find out more about it folks you can keep in touch with us Well, there's a lot of ways you can do that by uh, following us on Twitter at RefnShowPodcast, R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook, like and share, of course. Uh, You send us an email at thewholerefnshow at gmail.com, T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E, R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com, or...
0: Or you can find us on Instagram at show. Very simply, show on instagram you can find our pretty pictures you can get likes as i scroll through and like your pretty pictures you can keep up with the whole reference show news and when i say news of course i mean wrestle news and wrestle views all on instagram
1: yes indeed and that's about all from us here at our different states that we're currently residing in uh, <laughs> that's about all from us here on planet Earth. Um, so I guess on behalf of myself, Perry Smith, I am Darren Beasley and we're gonna see you next week, folks. take care.
0: Bye bye.